Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. Columbus, Ohio, where are you? I know. Where are they? This We what just happened? did what analytics. Did I'm Randall Carlisle. This is Rachel Santizo. Hi. This is Charlotte, and we'll introduce her in a second. Columbus, Ohio, for some mm-hmm. reason, for week after week, has been our number one viewing and listening city. But I have to ask, Randall, what did you do? I, I must have done something wrong. I do. You know, I feel like that's valid. We, we just mm-hmm. checked analytics, and Columbus fell way back in L.A. And what's the other... Was it the Bronx, L.A. and... It was Brooklyn. And Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn's there, but Columbus isn't. So if you're watching in Columbus, spread the word. And the other thing we found out is, because it always, it changes uh, when the, just in the general area, what the most popular area is. Can you guess what? No, I was on a roll until you asked that question. I know, <laughs> because you didn't hear about it ahead of time. I didn't. South Jordan, thank you very Ooh. much for, for watching. So, And then Salt Lake City. So, Thank you, South Jordan. Now that we know, this is one of the most watched and, and listened to podcasts dealing with addiction and recovery. And we are excited today to have a superstar in recovery at Odyssey House, Charlotte. Hi. Welcome. Hi, guys. It's good are, to be here. Are you embarrassed by that introduction? <laughs> A little bit. I would like to identify as a superstar, though. Yeah. I will keep that. Well, you, everything I've observed, you are a superstar. Before we get into Charlotte's story, she's, uh, she's part of a team that, that we call Jets, which are sort of the creme de la creme of our, of our clients. Is that a good way to describe what a Jet is in the Odyssey House program? So the JETS program is the Junior Executive Training Program. Um, it's, it's people within the Odyssey House program that have exhibited leadership qualities. They are leaders mm-hmm. among their house. They are doing well in their program. Um, and they have a desire to come back and work at Odyssey. And, and well we would love to have you come back and work at Odyssey. And, and the idea, it's not just somebody says... Oh, I think you're good. You're good for jets. You got to go through some crap to get there. Yeah, yes. there is actually a process. So the process is a current member of jets, either staff or somebody in residential, needs to nominate you and then sponsor you. So once you're sponsored, you have to do a jets proposal, which is mm-hmm. similar to an interview. Um, and then you come in front of all of us and you do your proposal: why you want to be a jet, what you're going to bring to the group, and if the group agrees, then you are then a jet. Um, and you can't get a board or an intervention while you're in the JETS program. If you do, then we ask you to bow out. Um, so it is a, quite the process, but it then helps you hold yourself to a higher standard, too, in the house. And I heard that one no vote doesn't let you in then, right? it, it doesn't, because we're a collective team. So if there's one person that has reservations, those reservations are, are probably very valid, and we want to honor whoever that person is, whatever their reservations are, we want to honor that feeling as well. So tell us how, if, if we can delve into your past a little, mm-hmm. what's your past story uh, leading up to you finally coming into Odyssey House? Sure. Um, so my drug addiction started young, um, when I was 11 or 12 years old. 11 but or I, 12? Yeah, and, and that was, my mother was a schizophrenic, and I was having a lot of behavioral issues. So she would start giving me Xanax. Um, So I started with my addiction very young, um, but I was able to curb it for a few years when I went to high school. I became a collegiate athlete. I went to the University of Utah for swimming. So I was able to get on the right path. Um, But later after, once I was in college, the standards and the amount I was supposed to perform being a a college athlete and 
having Keepa 4.0 or 3.8, it was too much. So I started doing a lot of Adderall. Um, and that in my head was okay because it was prescribed. But when that <laughs> ran out, I had to find other things. So yeah. I started to lose a lot of sleep. Um, once I lost sleep, um, I would have psychotic breaks. So that would land me in psychiatric institutions. So I went throughout my 20s going through that cycle of having an addiction, going to the psych ward, getting stabilized, and then as soon as I got stabled, I'd go back on the streets. I'd stop taking my medication. I'd, I'd end up um, living in motels, hotels, um, and, and for a period of about off and on for 10 years, I struggled with chronic homelessness, um, and I would go back out, and I would, I would have to escort to try to pay for mm-hmm. myself to find somewhere to sleep, and then I was in and out of psych wards. Um, I think the longest time I spent was a year in Georgia State, a psychiatric institution, because there was nobody that was willing to take custody of me because my, psych- my psychiatric problems were so severe and my addiction was so severe that I was just too much for anybody to handle. Um, eventually, I did stabilize out a little bit. I was still using every day, but I considered this functional because <laughs> I could still get up and go to work, but I was using heroin every day um, and methamphetamines every day. Um, I lost my dad in 2016, and then I, I spiraled after that point in time and have not been able to acquire a job due to criminal history. So I. I did my best. I actually started my own LLC so I could just acquire some work in construction. Um, but the drug abuse was getting so bad after I lost my father. I about in December or Jan- no, a little before December, I got kicked out of my home. I was living with my fiance's parents in the basement. I've never lived on my own. I've never had my own car. Um, but I finally got kicked out of my my family's house. And at 36 years old, I was back hotel shopping. Mm-hmm. I was escorting again, and I hadn't done that for years. And I was so, I was so upset. I was so sad that I was back to that place, that I was back on the streets, and that I'd done nothing with my life. Um, I, I just sat there in the hotels, and I called around, and I looked at transitional housing. I looked at sober housing, and I, I finally decided that I don't want to just have a place to stay. I want to do better. I want to, I want to have a life. And I, I didn't think that I deserved that, but. Once I, now that I've been at Odyssey for a little while, I know that I do, and I'm so grateful that I, I picked the hard program. I picked some place that was going to be long term, and that was going to work on my behaviors because I've done the drug addiction treatments. I've I've treated the addiction, and that doesn't help. If I treat the addiction, the underlying problem is still there. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to to figure out why I use in the first place and what are the barriers keeping me from having a normal functional life and the life that I know I deserve and that I want. So I, I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do something different. So I, I called Odyssey, and honestly, by the grace of God, they had a bed open, and I was in the next day. How long have you been in? I have been there since December 14th. I went to the VOA on December 10th, yeah. so almost six months. Wow. Wow. You are um, incredibly intelligent. Thank you. Like, as you speak and your LLC and all these different things, like, you are incredibly intelligent. It seems, you know, like you have the, you say, psychotic break, and then you have your substance use and different things. How is Odyssey combining all the things together? Because to, all these things are saying, and I'm like, wow, really? Yeah. Because you would not guess that just by you, the way you speak, the way you present yourself. So what is lining up for you in the short amount of time of six months? Right, and that is a really short amount of time. Yeah. Considering how long you were leading, <laughs> right. leading the other life. And, and when I think about that, that was, I mean, that was 20 years of, and it's its interesting because I look at the people that have institutionalization from being in prison, and it's very similar to my own. I've been institutionalized in psych wards, um, right. but it's very similar.
similar. So the way things are lining up now is because I'm focusing on behavioral modification, um, it's kind of taking where I'm at with my mental health and taking the behaviors that are exhibited when my mental health is acting up. Mm. So I have borderline personality disorder. Okay. So when that's acting up, I will, I almost have this core belief of, of evil, this core belief that okay. I am intrinsically bad. And when that starts acting up, I then start acting out. Um, I'll start isolating people. I'll start being mean to people. So focusing on the behaviors and not the substances, because mm. when I was, I mean, I would use to make myself social. So when I don't have those aids, the other, the, the symptoms of my mental health condition are exacerbated. They're much more obvious when I'm not using substances. So it's helping me realize everything's all connected as one. Everything that I do is coming from an earlier place, an earlier trauma, and starting to do EMDR for my trauma okay. um, and doing a lot of therapy has been able to help me work through that previous trauma that I, I had actually entirely blacked out. Um, but I do think it's really interesting to see how similar my thought process is to those who have been incarcerated for 20 years. Um, it, you get into the cycle of not knowing how to care for yourself. When you're given three meals a day and, and you don't have to work, you have a place that's warm to sleep at night, um, you stop learning or stop knowing how to take care of yourself. Yeah. It's a really hard cycle to break and it's we don't know how to, how to have a job for more than six months. We don't know how to acquire a car. Um, when we were at the sentencing commission yesterday, they were talking about generational wealth and my brain was like, what? <laughs> I, that's, I mean, I know that, that, that there are people that live like that, but that has not been my experience. And the people I surround myself with having money from day to day is something that we don't have the option of. So that with Odyssey being, um, you know, something I don't have to worry about, um, paying for, it's been able to help me just focus on what I need to be there for and hopefully avoid going to psych wards again. I'm trying to figure out the time frame here. How ma so how many years did you struggle on and off uh, compared to how many months you've spent in Odyssey? <laughs> yeah. The reason I ask that is a lot of people say, I don't want to go to Odyssey because they're a long program, they're mm -hmm. a hard program, and I'd rather do 30 days and get out. You know, so, Definitely. So, so how long age-wise? So... I think that the drug addiction got really bad when I was in my early 20s, so if I'm being very specific, I would say 16 years. 16 years of going in and out of homelessness, in and out of psych wards, in and out of treatments, and I've been to, I think, five drug treatment programs, um, and they were the 30 days, the 60 days, posh resorts, and they did nothing. But when I found Odyssey, I thought it was a year standard, and that seemed like a lot, but like nothing, because a year out there you don't even know time's passing. It becomes every day is the same, every day is a hustle. So you don't even realize time is passing when I'm out on the streets. So a, a year here in the six months I've been here has gone by in the blink of an eye. I don't even realize that I was in there for Christmas and New Year's and, and it, just, it just becomes not a factor um, because every day you start being excited to wake up. I'm excited to be involved with my community and, and getting opportunities to go to service work. So I, I know that that's an argument all the time with people that it's such a long commitment, but tell me that when you're sitting on the sidewalk begging for money. I mean, I know it's a commitment, mm -hmm. but what you're doing every single day is so much harder. It's so much harder. And I know when you're active in your addiction, you're just so tired. You just yeah. want to feel safe and you want to feel okay for a minute. And if you find treatment, you can have that. You can have someplace that you don't have to worry. You don't have to watch your back every single second. And it just, it's a relief. It's a relief to feel safe for a minute. If you're watching or listening to this, think about 
think about the fact she said 15 or 16 years of yeah. in and out of institutions being on the street using uh, and then how could you realistically expect going into some place for 30 days to change 16 years of behavior yeah. it's in, in you know even a year is it you know it it sounds like it's not enough because yeah. you're you're <laughs> You're just making such a massive change. You did right. the same thing. You were out in the street. You were homeless and everything, mm-hmm. sleeping under cars for how long? Yeah, absolutely. And and I I got sober. I, and to put it in simple terms, I w- I wanted to ask you. You said you've never owned a car. You've never had your own place. So six months of treatment after 16 years, you know, of substance use, psych boards, and I and I think that even like the incarcerated feelings and stuff like that, like being an empowered human being on your feet. Mm-hmm. How do you feel six months um, of getting your own car in your own place? Because Odyssey House offers like transitional housing. Like they're, they're a holistic approach, like from A to Z, right? How do you feel about having your own place or getting your own car? Like where are you at today with that? Like what has yeah. six months done for you as far as being on your own two feet? I'm excited. I'm excited about life and I'm scared. I, I can't, I mean, I can't argue that there's a lot of trepidation moving forward in having the bills and, and just basic things. <laughs> right, like, right. Like and getting, it's simple, but it really is yeah. a big deal. Right. And even getting your car registered, getting your car to the shop, um, paying your electrical bills. I don't know how to do that. So when we think about, I mean, balancing our checkbook, we don't really have to do anymore, but all the things that Odyssey House offers me, like financial planning and having somebody that will help me through all of this. I'm, I'm excited about it, but I know that even when I transition to sober living, my plan has to be very specific. I have to have a very to-the-penny budget so that I can plan everything, especially in early sobriety. You need so many different types of support, so many different plans to cover yourself mm-hmm. because just one plan, like, okay, well, if I relapse, I'll go to the VOA. That's not good enough. <laughs> no. and, uh, yeah. and really, I think what's been amazing to me, too, is a relapse starts so much sooner than you using drugs. Right. And it, it's scary. Mm. I don't know that people know that. And it really is probably months, probably for, I would say safely, at least two months before a relapse, it's coming. Your behaviors start to t- start to it's lead visible. towards that. Yeah. Right. Everybody right. says that and people don't understand that. Right. And it's before you actually start using. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, I was a functional alcoholic for decades, okay? Yeah. And I finally yeah. went to treatment, got clean, stayed uh, clean for nine months, okay? And then I relapsed, and I remember thinking, maybe a month or two before I relapsed, you know, I I could probably meet my friends at a bar again, and it'd be okay yeah. because I could drink uh, soda water right. while they're drinking whatever, and 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 yeah. then I ended up, re- and I remember going mm-hmm. to a bar several times and drinking soda water, and then saying to myself, you know, I could probably have a beer or two, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. then you're just down the, you know, and yeah. I had twenty right. that night or right. something. It's know. those behaviors, the little Absolutely. behaviors, yeah. like you isolate, you stop showing up, you have thoughts, you have different yeah. things. Absolutely. Well, and I think what's interesting about that too, Randall, is, I mean, Bill W. in the big book states that you know he tried an eating or softer way. He would put milk with his whiskey, trying to you know water it's down, just right. buying all these ways that right. he could Moving get around. Moving somewhere else, getting a different. <laughs> Changing everything, and we do. We try everything. We change everything in our environment. We change Mm -hmm. everything about our lives, but we don't change the problem. The problem is me, right? And the way I view the world, the way I perceive situations—that's the problem. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I, I'm so grateful to be where I'm at because the way I think about things now, when someone approaches me with a problem, 
it's more of a, a solution finding. It's a, I'm so sorry I made you feel that way, or let's figure out why I made you feel that way and, and, mm-hmm. and work on it, not just a, okay, well, now let's go fight. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> before that was, I just didn't want to deal with you. If you had a problem with me, that's great. That's your problem. And now yeah. I'm realizing that I see myself best in the eyes of a peer. I don't know my yeah. own actions. So learning that what you see in me, that's going to help me be healthier. And right. I, I think when you get out of treatment and you're on that pink cloud, I think we call it the pink cloud of recovery. Yeah, that's what, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where we're just, we're doing so great and hey, we're so everything. proud of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you want to go to the bar and, and sit down with your old friends and have a soda water. And you probably got home and you were so proud of yourself. Yeah, I was. And you're like, I made it. Yeah. And that, but yeah, you were, you're in surrounding yourself with these, these huge triggers and these, the behaviors of other people that right. are not going to be healthy for you. So it, it really is about changing everything about you and, and how you process things and how you think. And, um, one of my big fears in sobriety is, is when I get those things and I am proud of myself staying humble and Jason actually asked me this in our family group, is how do you keep staying humble mm-hmm. when you have accomplished a lot? And I think for me, that's why I want to work in recovery because I have to remember how bad it is, yeah. how bad I was when mm-hmm. I came in. And you watch people walk through the doors of Odyssey and we're just so broken. I mean, coming from the VO, coming from prison, and mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're super duper skinny. You've got probably scars on your face and watching people heal from that. Yeah. I need to remember that I can go back to that in, in a heartbeat. It wouldn't even take a month. Yeah. I would be back there in a week, like yeah. a couple of days. Yeah. Instantly. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that 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 is key. I mean, Randall and I both have 10 years. 10 you years. Know, and yeah. it, it is that reminder, and it's being a service. Like, I need to be reminded. I need to be growing and learning constantly. If I ever have this figured out, that's when I will be scared. Right. Is when right. I, think I worry I sometimes a, when, I, when I think, I haven't thought about having a drink for a long time now. And then that worries me because you become complacent or I haven't been to a meeting for a long time, you know, because I don't need to anymore because I'm okay. Right. I'm not okay. I'll be an alcoholic for the rest of my life. Absolutely. You know. Well, and I, I'm not a huge AA person simply because I'm Charlotte. I am, yes, I happen to be an addict, but that's not all I am. So I have a hard time standing up saying, Charlotte, I'm Charlotte, I'm an addict because yes, that... That is a part of me, but that's not everything I am. So when I when I do move forward, recognizing that that's yep. a, a problem for you and that you can't be complacent, but that's not everything that I am and knowing that I am a whole person and Odyssey treats the person as a whole. Yes. And that's what I love because no yeah. other treatment I've been to does this. Right. I mean, every treatment I've been to, it's been AA from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. And it's it, just shoving the big book down people's throat does not work. You need, and that can be a factor, that can be a part of your recovery, but you need to have a huge arsenal so that you can stay mm-hmm. as safe as possible. And I, I, I can't even imagine, I, I envy you guys getting to 10 years, that's incredible, but I would imagine you have to stay even more humble just so you can keep mm-hmm. remembering. I mean, do you guys even think about when you were out there and how much that struggle was? Yeah, I think it, I think it's giving back to our community and yeah. staying, that kind of boots on the ground too. We do a lot of work and stay connected to our population and people. I have to play the tape uh, because I find when I think back to my drinking days, I think back to fun times, great parties, Mm. picking up women in bars, blah, 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 blah. And I think that's the way the human brain deals with negative past. You remember some of the good times. And I have to force myself to think about the fact that I've, at the end, I blacked out every single time I drank. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I stumbled home 
I, I had a homeless person help me into my condo mm -hmm. downtown because I wow. was passed out on a curb of a street, yeah. you know, and, and, and I have to remember those things because I don't, that's not prominent in my brain, yeah. you know. Well, and that's interesting you mentioned that because our brain romanticizes, even trauma, mm -hmm. you remember the good times. And I didn't have yeah. fun as a drug addict. I didn't have fun, <laughs> yeah. never. I didn't, and that's what I'll remember. Even I see a movie that's glamorizing drug use or, or guns mm -hmm. and my brain's like, oh, that's so cool. It's not cool, right. yeah. it's horrifying. And yeah. I, I realized one day when I was sitting in a room that there were people around me with, with automatic weapons and that I was just sitting there getting high and that is not normal, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. And all I remember sometimes, even in treatment now, I'll think about, I had so much fun this one time high. No, no, because then I had to come down eventually and when I came down, the paranoia would start and I would be you know looking yeah. out my windows for days yeah. and it oh it's horrifying and if I think about that whole tape the whole spectrum of not being able to eat for days not being able to sleep for days not being a part of anything other than sitting in my room by myself because that's all I could handle uh, it's just it's so hard to remember everything about your addiction right. not just the fun times and I, it's so crucial to staying sober for me and, and working it I mean I've got to say it's a lot easier staying sober working at Odyssey oh, yeah, than it was sure. like in a TV station because we all went out for after the 10 o'clock yeah. news, we'd go out yeah. to bars and stuff like that. And it know. becomes so socially normal, like yeah. especially drinking. That's one of the hardest substances to stay away from because it's mm. so socially acceptable. And when you do and have yourself around alcohol, people are like, why don't you drink? You have to then explain yeah. why you're sober. Yeah. Oh, did you have a problem? No, I, I just don't want to drink yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an alcoholic, okay, <laughs> and I had a bad time. Yeah. And now we have that conversation <laughs> on the table. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Really? How bad was it? <laughs> well, clearly yeah. I'm sober now, so it was that bad. Yeah. 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 Uh, don't you find it easier working in, and, and I think I, I admire you for wanting to get into working at a place like Odyssey right. or some other treatment. Rachel's been working how long? I've been here five years, but you worked on and off at Odyssey, yeah, for, FTR, and yeah, now working yeah. at USARA. Yeah, and FTR, I mean, that's been the one thing is the, the boot camp. I've been going to boot camp for over nine years, every Saturday at 10 a.m., unless if I've been sick or going on vacation. I mean, it, it keeps me, after, boot camp actually uh, is my main class because it reminds me, because boot camp is the one class that's free and that people can come in, whether if you're 24 hours sober or 20 years sober. Yeah. And so that's my reminder, and that's why that class is so important to me. And so um, you need that and that consistency. So that's a, that's like my AA, my home group, my everything is just yeah. that one class. And, and, and so, you're going to have to, and I mean, it sounds like you're planning on it already. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hanging around sober mm -hmm. people, either at work or in act, social yeah. activities right. or whatever. Amazingly, FTR has been a big part of my recovery too. Um, fit to recover, I didn't know existed. And as soon as I got into treatment and I was well enough to go, yeah. I, <laughs> I would go because I would get high fives. And I'm in a no-touch facility, so I absolutely <laughs> that I was all about that right. physical yeah. connection. Yeah. But I, I started to feel proud of myself, and I've struggled with an eating disorder for my whole life. So working out now finally and feeling good about my body because yeah. I earned it, it's it's a very different feeling. But Beautiful. knowing that I can come back and I can I can volunteer at FTR and I can have another way to have a community, it nice. is. I mean. Almost every time at FTR, I almost cry at the end because I'm just so nice. grateful and I'm so happy to have that connection with my body and, and my peers because it's, it's, it has been such a big part. And there's so many people in my house right now that 
every week. We're like, I can't structure. I can't be, I can't have commitments at this time, this day. Yeah. So I've got FTR. That's my priority. <laughs> yeah. We've just got to go. And it's not about the workout. It's mm-hmm. about being, we've, what I've learned is like with the trauma is I've numbed out my body for so many years yeah. because I had to, to survive. So working out and just feeling, oh, that part of me is sore. That's new. Like I couldn't have told you that my knee was sore before because I just would numb everything out because I had to. Right. So now being able to tell you what my body's doing, that's a great, that's a great reward. That's a huge success for me. Yeah. It's amazing how many people it helps. So I will be at boot camp. <laughs> yes, I'm looking forward to it. I'll watch. It's a new no, type I'll of empowerment. Yeah. Will bear you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I will I, hold you to it. I hope I see you. It's a new for type sure. of empowerment. It's just these yeah. new ways to like feel good about ourselves and we're doing it for us and yeah. it's a good type of pain. Yeah. So when you for are sure. sore, it's like, wait, I'm in pain, but it feels good to be in pain. <laughs> and it's okay to be in yeah, pain I'm today. I'm not numb myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's true to know that all the aids in one basket. So I went yeah. through Odyssey Health, so it was behavioral, and I needed that, right? And then I found FTR, and then I'm big on service work. And then I did AA when I was five years sober. Yeah. And then sponsor and all these things. Yeah. Like, there's so many different elements mm-hmm. to to this whole thing. Sometimes I just need to call Randall and say I'm a mess. Yeah. <laughs> or I have thoughts. I mean, I've, I've cried to Randall several times. Sometimes yeah. I just need to cry. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, you know yeah, as long as you have a sober friend that you can. Yeah. Where do you, this is a tough question. Where do you see yourself going in the future? Yeah. What do you? So what I'd like to do is I probably have another three to six months in the house. Um, and then I will transition to sober living and do outpatient. Once I graduate outpatient, I want to come right back in as staff. I want to get um, my outpatient done as quickly as I can so I can be gone from the house as little as possible. Um, but where I see myself in you know, a year is right back at Mill Creek as staff. Mm-hmm. Um, in five years, I, I'd like to have you know even my own little apartment. That would be amazing in, in for me. Car. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start with a bike. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> maybe like a, an electric bike, so I don't have to make an effort. <laughs> but I wanted the one thing you guys mentioned before we started was just the encounter process, and I just wanted to speak to that because I I've heard a lot of people leave over that process. Yeah. And I. When I was at the VOA, I had so many people tell me, don't go there, it's a snitch program. Yeah. And I hate that word, number one, because yeah. it's not about that. And mm-hmm. so many people leave the program because they're held accountable. When you are finally held accountable for your actions and you're sat down in a room and said, you did this and it hurt this many people, that's really hard to stomach. And most of us bail because we can't deal with that. Mm-hmm. We've never had to face how bad we've impacted people. And even I've been doing my impact letters and Mm. I just finished those. Oh my goodness. And it is, it's liberating to get Mm -hmm. done, but it has been so powerful to recognize. I didn't just cause my dad to become a workaholic because I was an addict at home. I caused him, you know, these emotional problems, these social problems, because he couldn't socialize with his friends because all he had to talk about was his addict daughter at home manipulating him. So he lost friends, he lost sleep, he lost income. So there were so many more things that I affected than just, oh, me and my dad have a bad relationship. I was affecting everything. So recognizing that and having to sit in that pain and, and use it for good. Uh, we have this tendency when someone's in pain to want to fix, and I do it too. Like someone at the house will be having a bad day, and I just want to go be like, hey, it's going to be okay. Here's a way you can get through this. Here's a way you can fix this. But that's not what we need to do. Just feel that pain. Sit in it. Right. I mean, just sit and cry for a minute. That's what you have to feel that to be able to move forward. If you don't, then it's just going to sit there, and it's unprocessed. Well, the truth is you don't know recovery without suffering. 
Yeah, you just don't. That's that's the thing. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. there is no magic. It'd be wonderful if there was a pill that could oh, it'd be great. And it <laughs> yeah. eliminates the addictive nature of your brain. And you yeah. Just, okay, I'm okay yeah. now. But, yeah. But recovery takes hard work, and, and yeah. you think about your description of you know all the things you go through on a people don't even realize how how structured your life is mm-hmm. in a place like odyssey as it needs to be right, because yeah. you had a totally unstructured life before yeah you know and it, it is very hard to handle i mean it's very hard to have people tell you what you can do what you can't do mm-hmm. um but my best thinking got me here <laughs> so my problem solving my planning ended me up on the streets so i need that i need someone yeah. to tell me when i can't eat when i can't eat what i can have in my room and it's it's hard to watch your room get searched every week but that's one of the prices you pay to be in a safe environment mm-hmm. and to get well so when i hear um you know all these gripes about the program there are reasons for it and you will earn that trust one of the best things about where i'm at right now is i'm starting to earn trust we were able to walk down to meadowbrook yesterday and that was i was just so liberated by that it was like six blocks but freedom to walk yeah Yeah. our house trusted us enough a group of five or six of us to walk down 39 south to a different house and i was just so proud of myself because we walked down there we didn't it just it was a really cool feeling so as you earn that trust and when the program manager looks at me and says charlotte i trust you to do this Oh, it, yeah. Anne is the best. You just soar. Yeah. I love Anne so much. Yeah. And I, I'm grateful that she's my boss. And when I went to disco, she had me be the Reynolds coordinator. And it was so empowering to have her trust me with that yeah. and to have her say, sure, good job. And it, it's little, but you know it's coming from a genuine place. And you know that you've earned it. And it means so much more than all these people that would just be like, oh, you're so cool. Well, and I love that a female is a, the Reynolds coordinator. Can I just yeah. say that? <laughs> that is badass. Yes. We, are out of, we are out of time. Uh, the thing that I hope anybody watching or listening gets from this is we always talk about the stigma around yeah. people uh, in, in addiction. And if, if Charlotte had not shared her story with us, And we'd been talking about something like politics or the news or something. You wouldn't know that you had that background. And 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 so it's not I don't know what kind of stigma people listening to, to this or watching this podcast have. But there are intelligent people out there. Right, Or even people in psych wards. Yeah, like, in psych you know, wards. Yeah. yeah. And, and they just need help. And it's a disease that we're all dealing yeah. with. And, and we're going to have it for the rest of our lives. Yep. But luckily, it's not fatal. It doesn't have to be fatal. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there are there is hope. And that's the biggest thing in the world you can remember is that there is hope. As long as you can keep fighting, keep fighting. Even if you've been out there for 20 years, 30 years, it doesn't matter. Tomorrow's a new day and keep fighting. I'm impressed by you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you guys. Isn't she Agreed. Cool? She's, <laughs> she's the best. Like I, I'm, I'm really proud of you. And thank I'm you. glad that you're here to speak. Yeah. And I hope you keep speaking. I will. And we need you. you. Thank I'm you for being be our here. guest. Thank you for I watching guess. another edition of Odyssey House Journals.